0: Chapter twenty five of Gold Hunting in Alaska. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Betty B. Gold Hunting in Alaska by Joseph Grinnell. Buster Creek, Cape Nome, September sixteenth, eighteen ninety nine. A week ago, Casey went to Anvil City across country twelve miles and brought a batch of mail containing our first letters from home since our arrival here in answer to our own i received six which i have committed to memory sitting alone in the cook tent if people at home the wide world over would write faithfully to absent ones there would be joy in many a wanderer's heart here we are working like beavers thirteen of us including me the cook it's the last struggle of a dying company but it isn't dead yet in fact, there are many good signs of reviving, possibly to a more prosperous condition. We have done little so far on Buster Creek but hunt for pay dirt. Just now we are making wages. Took out $400 last week, including some very pretty nuggets. The claims are too spotted. That is, the gold runs in narrow streaks and necessitates moving quantities of barren dirt to get at it. Our largest nugget so far is $4.13 with a good many $1 ones. Over on Anvil Creek, they took out a 27-ounce one last week. That is a better size. While we have done little but prospect on the claims here, we have gained a good idea of their value and expect to work them next year. A cold snap struck us three days ago and threatens to put a stop to our mining for this season. The creek is bordered with ice, and icicles adorn the edges of the sluice boxes. We shall remain as long as we can possibly work. It is snowing quite heavily today. I saw the last Siberian yellow wagtail on the 8th, also a gray-cheeked thrush. I saw a gear falcon and snowy owl flying along the cannon yesterday. Scattering flocks of gold plover have been quite common the past few days on the hillsides feeding on blueberries. I shot one near the tent this morning, although the ground was white with snow. I can hear their clear notes every few minutes while I write. They are flying past along the creek or up the hills. I wish I could save some skins, but wishes do not count with a gold hunter when gold is in sight. Yesterday, immense flocks of little brown cranes passed south overhead. I am pretty sure that this is the same species we see and hear so much of during the migrations in Southern California, and not so often the sandhill crane this cooking job which has been thrust upon me by circumstances entirely outside my control is something terrible i will never never get into another scrape like it and yet i am in the hands of my friends no president of these united states ever accepted his office by the will of the people more surely than i now occupy my office as cook for the L B A M and t company but for all that, I am elected by a sweeping vote. I repeat my previous oft-made declaration that I will never be caught running for this office again. In fact, I never did run for it. It ran for me. An unquestionable illustration of the office seeking the man and not the man the office. I get up at five in the morning, nearly dark now at that early hour. How cold it is. And I never was eager to get up under any circumstances. For a week, nearly every night, ice forms in the tent. I have an oil stove, without which I should never be able to prepare breakfast. Green willow brush is hard to burn in the little camp stove. I have breakfast ready at 6.30, dinner at 12, and supper at 6. It keeps me hustling to be prompt. The office is no snap. I am given a man to chop wood when necessary. Otherwise, I must do everything alone. And the dishwashing three times a day. Let who will envy me. Up to the beginning of the cold snap, I made light bread, six loaves per day. But since it has been freezing in the tent at night, the sponge will not rise, and there's no way to keep it warm. Fuel too dear and scarce. The camp stove oven is about ten inches square, with bake pans to fit, two loaves to a pan, one pan at a time. Light bread went a good deal further than baking powder biscuit. It takes nine slabs of the latter a day to satisfy us now. We are reduced to the bare necessities. No butter nor canned milk. For breakfast, I give them cornmeal mush, bacon, bread, beans, and coffee. For dinner, bacon, beans, bread, pea soup, sauce, and coffee. For supper, either bacon gravy made of flour and water or stew. If we have ptarmigan or meat, beans, rice, applesauce, bread, hardtack, and tea. Our reindeer was fine, but lasted only a few days. One unaccustomed to this fare of ours may think we are in luck for miners, and so we are, but one gets tired of the same menu for so long, and then the staleness of it, after being shipped and towed and packed and unpacked and swapped and crushed and dampened for nearly two years, little freshness in it. The boys are having no easy job at shoveling their feet are swollen and sore from standing in rubber boots in ice water and their hands are cracked and chapped these every-day monotonies are the real hardships of a miner's life he can tramp across the country for a few weeks and know that the end of his journey is at hand and besides be getting some satisfaction from the thought of glory when he shall relate his perils to gaping friends at home but this pegaway daily toil in heat and cold and sleet and rain after what may come to light in the next shovelful and possibly never show up at all this is hardship but through it all the boys who have stuck to their work are in good spirits and this in face of the fact that the clean-ups do not always show up wages even i have plenty of time to think nowadays all by myself for i do not necessarily keep all my thoughts upon the grub i do a good deal of my work from sheer habit now or mechanically the boys are working on claim number one and these tents are on number four, so I am quite alone except at mealtime. A regulation claim is one-fourth of a mile long lengthwise of a creek and one-eighth wide. The Penelope is at Port Clarence, where Fancher and Jet went prospecting. The boat will be at Anvil City about October 1st, according to program, and we will sail for home as soon after that date as we can get away yes home i am heartily tired of this kind of living i shall be willing to take a six months rest before taking another trip i am sure i long to get back to my father's house and up in those cool high chambers of mine where i may once more feel like a christian and a gentleman the season is earlier than usual and the weather much more disagreeable than at the same date last year on the kowak every moment or two while i write I have to stop and stir the beans or applesauce or look at a batch of bread. The beans are boiling with rather a melodious gurgle, while the sizzling rice and the patter of sleet on the canvas overhead furnish a rather pleasing accompaniment. But it makes a person feel kind of lonesome-like. There, the old stove is smoking again. Whenever the wind shifts around the hill, the draft is damaged, and the stinging, irritating green willow smoke fills the tent. My eyes smart and are very painful from this cause i long for the voyage home across the water for the sake of my eyes and now the snow is coming and it will but increase the mischief i should hate to lose my good eyesight a few cases of typhoid fever are reported but none on this creek we are all in good health no one would doubt this last at mealtime. the boys eat an immense amount of our monotonous grub and say their grace as thankfully as if it were a banquet. Little Brownie, the boy who was going to work 18 hours a day, if only he could find the nuggets, comes dragging himself home at night, completely tired out, sore feet and blistered hands. The work is pretty hard on the older men, Shawl, Wilson and Uncle Jimmy, but we have no hardships from other causes than voluntary hard work. Our foreman, Harry Reynolds, knows his business well and we all like him. Anvil city september 20th we were frozen out on buster creek and here we are in town again winter is upon us the landscape is white and the glare is very painful the ground is frozen hard which makes walking much easier than through a foot of mud and ooze we are living in our cabin on our city lot just back of the ac company's big warehouse we made the entire trip from number four on buster creek in one day and we're just in time for next morning a snowstorm began lasting until yesterday. We made the trip down Nome River in five hours in our boats and then around to Anvil City outside the surf, which luckily was not heavy. And how cold it was. I was one of three to bring a boat around, and by the time we got here, I was so stiff I could scarcely bend my limbs. Rubber boots and damp clothing inside. It would have been much worse had we waited a day longer. However, we are all well in spite of hardship and are patiently waiting for the Penelope. We heard a rumor that a white schooner was wrecked a short time ago on the rocks near Port Clarence. It was thought to be the Penelope. Alas, my dear collection, but if it were the Penelope, we would have been informed by this time. Then we have heard that the Penelope has been chartered to go back up to Kotzebuey again for freight and to go over to Siberia to trade for dog feed. But a person must make a rule to believe nothing he hears in this country or he would be worrying all the time. This for a boom town beats anything we ever saw in the States. Thousands of people are now pouring in from Dawson to stay through the winter and they say that this is a bigger place than ever Dawson was. Steamer loads of people and freight are coming in every day. The town is full of money. The town is incorporated with mayor, councilman, and police force. Franchises have been let for electric lighting, sewerage, waterworks, and all modern improvements. Hundreds of houses are building, many large ones. Lumber is $150 per thousand. I have a job tomorrow in the mayor's office, aligning a calligraph. Wages are $1 per hour. I could have all I could do for the winter, typewriting and doing mechanical drawing in the Nome City Attorney's Office. But I wouldn't stay here for $300 per month. No, nor for anything. I hate this place. There's the toughest crowd of people, sporting Dawsonites, everyone ready to do everybody else. It is the liveliest, speediest, swiftest mining camp ever seen in Alaska. And what will it be next year? All sorts of sharks are making fortunes. September 27th, 1899. Hi-ho! The Penelope has just dropped anchor off Anvil City, and we are in high glee. Higher glee than we ever experienced on the Kowak, for we are going home. Our hunt for gold is over. We shall take some passengers aboard for San Pedro. I shall go on ship at once and see how it fares with my precious birds. They are my gold. We shall start at high noon, October 2nd, and expect to make the trip in a month or six weeks. Depends upon the wind. Now for a good ship's yell. Penelope, Penelope, zip, I boom, ba, Going home from Cot's buoy rah, rah, rah. The End End of Section 25 End of Gold Hunting in Alaska by Joseph Grinnell